And thank you all for being here. It's been a great start. This is the gathering opportunity to kick off not only district assembly, but it kicks off missions. It kicks off our rally and our convention, and already we do feel the blessing of the Lord. Thank you, Bev, for your leadership. Thank you to the council members and all who have participated already tonight. I don't know what you were doing in June of 2013, but some of you were there at uh, General Assembly in Indianapolis. And during that time, something life-changing happened to our special guest this evening. Guests, not just guests. Because at General Assembly uh, in 2013, Dr. Gustavo Crocker was elected the 41st General Superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene. And you can give him a round of applause for that. And he, along with uh, his wife, Rachel, had already been on this wonderful journey of ministry in a variety of ways. They had served as regional director for Eurasia since 2004, just you know, prior to his election as general superintendent. He is an architect by trade, born in Guatemala, became a uh, uh, a follower of Jesus in the strictest sense of the word, giving everything away and following God's call. An obedient service led him to the United States where he was ordained on the Mid-Atlantic District. They have two grown children, Raquel and Beth, and it is our pleasure and our privilege to have Dr. Crocker here as our General Superintendent and Jurisdiction for Canada. This is the first of a two-year stint, and we will see much of him. But he has touched my life in a wonderful way. I know that he has touched some of yours. And by the end of our district assembly, God, through his ministry, will have touched all of us. Welcome, Dr. Crocker, this evening. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Well, it's a privilege for me to be here with you. Uh, as I mentioned to some friends, at, uh, Toronto and the Central District has a very special place in my heart, and it's very unique things have happened. Um, I was here for the first time in 1999 when I was uh, one of the speakers at NYC 99, and, uh, and at that time, uh, Bill has had uh, less hair. I had the privilege of uh, my, first, my first visit as a general superintendent was here in Toronto in 2013. Uh, in fact, uh, I had committed to come because my Sunday school teacher uh, was, uh, was here responsible for the Hispanic work in this district. And, and as, a, as a regional director of Eurasia, he had invited me to come and share with the, with the Hispanic churches in this district. And my Sunday school teacher, Dr. Octavio Torres, um, he had invited me and, and I had the privilege of, of coming and, and being here at exactly a month after I was elected and I had not taken office. So I was kind of in limbo. I was unemployed in Eurasia and I still 
hadn't been employed as a general superintendent. So Toronto was a good place to be in limbo. And I had the privilege of being at the Emmanuel uh, Hispanic Church and, and, uh, and uh, with uh, many of you. So it's good to be back. It is really good to be back. This is the second uh, assembly that I have the privilege of preside over as a general superintendent. We spent last week in the, in the Atlantic uh, District in Canada, and it was awesome. It was, it was really great. Well, as I was thinking about what to share with you, and I was looking at what uh, somebody said, are you going to do, uh, I don't know if you have realized that, but I, I, for some uh, reason that I'm still trying to comprehend, it's hard for me to comprehend, but I'm the first Hispanic elected as a general superintendent in the denomination. That's kind of weird. <laughs> and it happened uh, about, about six months after, after uh, Father uh, Gorgolio was elected as the first Latino pope. No connection there. I don't know him. But I have uh, seen him on, 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 uh, on Holy Week. That One of the things he does is that he washes the feet of, of people. And I'm not going to do that today. I just came to give you a pedicure. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do today. I, I decided, you know, if I were to do something, and, you know, Latin Pope, Latin General Superintendent, he washes feet. I'm going to do a pedicure. That's what I'm going to do tonight. Yeah, I, I, I got into pedicures. My, my wife, uh, one day, we went to Walmart. And we're walking in Walmart. Outside of Walmart, there is a, a lot of stuff. You know, you cash your check, whatever, whatever. And there is a pedicure place. And she said, you have to have one. I said, no, I'm a guy. <laughs> we guys don't do that kind of stuff, I said. Amen. And then, uh, <laughs> Well, brother, you know what happened? I kind of had one, and I'm hooked now. <laughs> and I've decided that I'm going to give you a pedicure. Hold on to that thought for a moment. When I was elected the regional director in uh, 2004, I had the privilege of meeting the church in uh, Kosovo. That you probably remember the, the Balkan War. That was the last war in the 20th century. We didn't hear much about it. But that was a war that happened because of the, of the dissolution of the former country of, the former country of Ju Yugoslavia. You remember, by, judging by, by our hair, I, I can tell that most of us remember the country of Yugoslavia. You remember Yugoslavia? There were all these countries. Yeah, some of the kids are saying, you goes, what? That doesn't exist. That's, this, that's last century. It's so old. In fact, in fact there's this story of, um, it just, it, this, this, is, this is not scriptural. I, I, I just heard that, that this couple, they, they died in a car accident, and di they died with, within five minutes of each other, and the husband was first in line. They went to heaven, and there, there's Peter asking them, uh, just give me your name, and they gave the name, and it's in the book of life, and said, you have to spell love, L-O-V-E. Okay, you're in. The man came, and Peter asked him, what's your name, so-and-so? Spell love, L-O-V-E. Good. Peter said, could you help me? I'm going to the bathroom in just five minutes. Could you help me? All you have to do is check the name and then ask him to spell love. It's just a, it's just a ritual, and then as, once they spell, they're in. Three minutes later, his wife came. Remember, she died within 
five minutes. She, hey, what are you doing here? Well, I'm uh, Peter asked me to check people's names and then go into the bathroom. And I have to check the name and they have to spell something to get in. He said, really? Yeah. What do I have to spell? And he said, you have to spell Czechoslovakia. Yugoslavia, Yugoslavia was one of those countries, Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, they, they were countries that, that when, the Ber, when the Berlin Wall fell and the, and the Soviet Union fell, uh, a lot of the countries got created or, or went back to being nations. In the middle of that war, in the middle of that war, it, it was, was Kosovo. Let me just give you a little bit of, of history. Uh, when Yugoslavia was formed, was really a nation formed of various ethnic and religious groups that were forced into getting together. The, the truth is that they hated each other. And the War of the Balkans, among other things, was about, about the independence and ethnic and religious independence. The biggest, the center, where, where, where Belgrade, the capital was, was, was a Serbia. And the, the nation of Serbia was basically trying to keep control, and, and the nations were trying to, 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 to split. At the bottom of the totem pole were the ethnic Albanians of the country of Kosovo. And it's fascinating to study history because Christian Serbians, a different kind of Christian, an orthodox line of Christianity, they were killing Muslim Albanians from Kosovo. The excuse, though, was religion. It was more about controlling all of that. In the middle of that war, because it's so, so hard to comprehend, to understand, because humans are strange. In the middle of that, we, the church, we discovered that a bunch of people from this group who never made it to become a nation, in fact, Kosovo is only recognized today by a handful of nations. These Albanian ethnic people from Kosovo were being killed. And they were displaced and their land was destroyed. When the missionaries from that part of the world, in fact, even, even as we speak, that's, that's the part where, where one of your brothers is, is a missionary, Jay and Tiana Sundberg, they are missionaries there now in that part of the world. When missionaries came in the early 2000s, they came to tell the story about, about what was going on and all these refugees who were there. And, and in the middle of that, a young man called Clayton Prescott, who wasn't a meeting like this, he heard the story. And the Lord pressed upon his heart the fact that they needed in Kosovo a missionary to go and build houses. Now, this is interesting because we already have an idea of what a missionary is and what a missionary does. But this guy didn't fit the profile, really. His only understanding of the Bible, he received it in Sunday school. His, all his theological education, he got it from his teacher in Sunday school. That's it. He had not attended a seminary. He had not taken one class, one, one extra class of late training, all Sunday school. But the Spirit called him. Let me just tell you, God calls everyone. That's just a commercial, by the way. So... Clayton, he kind of signed up and went to Kosovo. In Kosovo, he started building houses. 
in this village, out of the blue, in the middle of nowhere, the village of Suareca. When I asked Dr. Cook and Bob Prescott, Clayton's uncle, why did they choose Suareca? He said, we don't know. We were driving and the spirit told us, stop here. So, I buy that. It happens. Because we're in the business of the spirit. So they stopped. Clayton is building homes. And now there is this 15-year-old boy. Everywhere Clayton goes, Salim follows him. Salim goes here. Salim, Salim is fascinated by Clayton's language. He doesn't care about anything but his English. He knows that if he learns English, maybe he's going to get out of the poorest nation in Europe. Somebody told him, you learn English, you're out of here. Good. So he's following Clayton everywhere he goes. One day, after six months seeing house here, house there, house here, Salim asks Clayton, did you know that we're Muslims? Yes, I do. Do you know that we hate Christians? Yes, I do. Do you know that we hate Americans? Yes, I do. Do you know that there is a bounty on your head for $50? I didn't know, but now I know. <laughs> so, if you know that we're Muslims, and if you know that we hate you, and if now that you know that you're worth 50 bucks, why are you building homes for us? And this missionary, he said to him, because of the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Salim asked him, whoa, 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 Jesus what? This is Jesus Christ. Tell me about him. Let me fast forward it. I met Salim in 2004. He was 19 years of age. He was the pastor of our church of the Nazarene in Kosovo. Amen. You're not too young. The average age of our church of the Nazarene in Kosovo at that time was 18. I'm interviewing them. I'm fascinated. I'm meeting, I'm meeting them in the, in the former Yugoslavian Republic of Macedonia. Not to confuse it with the province of Macedonia in Greece. So I am there in, 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 in Macedonia meeting with them, and I'm interviewing Salim. I'm fascinated by his story. We had to go to a, to a hidden place because by then, 19-year-old Salim, he was, under, he was on, on the hit list for a, for a radical Islamic group in the nation. His high school teachers had expelled him from school, and this band of believers, about 18, 20 of them, they had been expelled from school, so our missionaries had to kind of homeschooled them, and then they made, they, they made it to the, to the capital of Pristina. And you know what happens? Now you bring from Suareca, from this very small, unknown place, village in the middle of nowhere, now you, you extrapolate a strong 
band of believers, and now all of them are in the university, and guess what? They are infecting the country with the love of Jesus. So, I'm meeting with them because we had to be in a, in, in, in a, in a quiet room because they were under persecution. In fact, I had to change his name. For many years, I called him Miles. Miles is a good American name. You know, I call him Miles. Plus, if you spell Miles backwards, it reads Selim. <laughs> oh, I was so clever. <laughs> so we call him Miles for many years, and I'm interviewing him. As I'm interviewing Selim, I ask him about the discoveries because he was telling me, and then I'm, I'm fascinated. And you know, when you're a preacher, every story preaches. And so he's telling me the story, and I'm thinking, this preaches. And he told me about three discoveries that he had made by meeting this volunteer, this missionary, this ambassador of God, who was all that he was doing, imagine that, all that he was doing was laying bro uh, bricks in the name of Jesus. And sh he shared with me three important discoveries. As he was sharing the discoveries, I was just growing fascinated because the discoveries that he was sharing with me were exactly my discoveries. It was my story. The story that he was sharing with me, I said, no, no, that cannot be your story because that's my story. As he was sharing my story, then I realized that this is also your story. Be why? Because I find it that it's also the Apostle Paul's story. Now let me share his story because I don't want to be a missionary who tells stories. I want to be a missionary who shares the story. Let us stand up as we read this story. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. We're going to start with the end of chapter 8. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of, of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. You may be seated. Uh, these are the three discoveries that Salim made. The first, discovery, the first discovery was that the gospel is simple. Let me just repeat this to you. You don't seem too excited about it. 
the first discovery was that the gospel is simple. Amen. How simple? If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you're saved. End of the story. The gospel is simple. We preachers make it complicated. We call it job security. <laughs> but truly, the gospel is simple. It is as simple as believing that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's just simply believing that, that, that mankind was completely apart from the, from the relationship with God and there was no other way, but then Jesus came, died, and resurrected so that his death will bring me to life. And we believe that, and we believe that, and we confess that. Amen? Amen. You don't seem too excited. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. It's, it's normal. It's normal. When you have been raised in, in, a, in a culture of religion, when you have been raised in a place where you could have all kinds of versions of the Bible. Let me introduce you to mine. I have 50 versions here. And for the purists, it looked like a Bible, doesn't it? Yeah, you, when you have downloaded anything you want, you could go on the radio and you could have television shows and everything on faith. And, and basically, when you are surrounded by religion, when you're surrounded by Christianity, you don't get excited about the simplicity of the gospel. But for Selim, this was very important. See, Selim grew up a Muslim. As a Muslim, he was taught of the five pillars of Islam. He was taught that you, and in the morning, they, they, as soon as you are born, the imam comes and, and repeats to you, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. And you get up every morning, and you repeat everywhere you walk, and you go on the car. The first pillar is to repeat the creed of obedience, the creed of Islam. Then you add the second creed. You have to, pr to pray five times a day, a sunset, a sunrise, and five times in between, and three times in between. And then there is a third pillar of Islam. You have to give to the poor at least once a year. And the fourth pillar of Islam is that you must fast during the month of Ramadan, which, by the way, started this week. We got to pray for our neighbors. And then you, 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 you fast for an entire month. You, you fast during the day. You feast during the night. And the fifth pillar is that you must, at least once in your lifetime, make a pilgrimage to Mecca. Once you do all these five things as a good, devout Muslim, maybe, maybe God will give you access to paradise. Maybe. Can you imagine a life like that? So they have, in, 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 in contemporary Islam, some scholars have added a sixth pillar called, called jihad. That says if, if, you, if you basically take care of some infidel, your chances of making it to paradise may be increased. Now that's not faith. That's fate. That's like buying a lottery ticket. You do everything that is required, and even if you do everything that is required, Allah will choose whether or not you make it. 
they say, Allah Abak, Abkar. God so wishes. Well, that was the life of Salim. 15 years doing everything and everything and everything and everything and everything. And even after he did everything, who knows? And now here comes a non-preacher preacher. Here comes a, a brick-laying missionary who introduces him to the most amazing gift for mankind, Jesus Christ. And he says, hey, no, no prayers, no sacrifices, no, no pilgrimages. All you have to do is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, and you're saved. Oh, here's a commercial. By the way, that's also true for religious Christians. A lot of us do the, 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 the five things. We repeat the creed of the apostles. We pray five times a day when we get up, when we go to sleep. Before we eat, God is great, God is good. We thank him for the food, amen. We give to compassionate ministries. Once in a lifetime, we go to general assembly. <laughs> and few of us fast. Religion doesn't save, my friends. It is the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross that saves. That's how simple the gospel is. See, when you have lived in slavery, when you have lived in the slavery of sin, when you have been enslaved by tradition, by religion, by faith, there is nothing more liberating than a gospel that says, for all died, but in Christ all are alive. Amen. Amen. The gospel is simple. Here's the second discovery that Salim had. That the gospel is for everyone. Again, only a few of us get excited about it. But let me tell you why did he get excited about it. See, Salim had been raised in this environment where he was told, listen to this, he was told that to be a good Albanian meant to be a good Muslim. That if you are from India, you must be a Hindu. If you are from Asia, you must be a Buddhist. If you are from the Middle East or from the, from the Arab cultures, you must be a Muslim. If you are from Africa, you must be an animist. And if you are from the West, you must be a Christian. Christianity is the religion of the West. That's what he was told. He bought into it. That's why he wanted to learn English. I remember we, when we had the privilege of going and starting the work in Vietnam. I went there in August of 92. And we met with the leaders of the, of the People's Committee in the Hatin province. And I asked them, I said, uh, he, they, they invited us to come with Compassionate Ministries to start microeconomic development programs. And as we were, I said to him, hey, is that okay if, if along with the microeconomic development programs, is that okay if we establish churches? And they talked in Vietnamese, and then he said to me, 
sure, whatever comes with capitalism will take. <laughs> See, they made the connection between, between religion and ethnicity. So Salim thought, hey, this Christianity, lucky the Westerners, they have a nice God. They have a nice God who gives them access. But we are from Albania. We're doomed. And now he discovered that God so loved the world. It doesn't say that God so loved the West. It doesn't say that God so loved this ethnicity. We wish he would have said that. Some of us do. But the truth of the matter is the scripture says the gospel is summarized and God so loved everyone that he created that he sent his son so that whoever believes in him, you see the emphasis on whoever, shall not perish but have everlasting life. So for Selim, that was like, wow. Does that mean that Albanians can have access to eternity? Yes. I got to prove this to you. How many of you could go to Ancestry.com in this room and, and could trace your ancestry to being Jewish? Would you please, if you have Jewish blood, would you please raise your hand? There is one that is half Jew there. <laughs> the rest of us are doomed. We are a bunch of Gentiles. You get it? If you cannot trace your blood to being a Jew, you are a Gentile. I have news for you. Jesus died for all Gentiles. Isn't that amazing? You and me. Now, that gets more exciting because now it, it gets our tribe also, doesn't it? That's what Salim discovered. Salim discovered what the Apostle Paul discovered. Not only that it is, it is with your mouth that we profess our faith and we're saved, but then it says there is no difference. Verse 12, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all who richly blesses all who call on him. Because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How many of you say praise be to God? Praise, praise be to God. See, that means, that means that the gospel is simple. It's simple, my friends. And the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for Canadians. And for Guatemalans. Even Guatemalans. Can you believe that? Oh, yeah, this, you know, this, uh, this guy went to a cannibal restaurant. You know, they do exist. Went to a cannibal restaurant, and when the waiter came, he, he, he ate him. No, just kidding. <laughs> went to the cannibal restaurant, and, and he saw the menu, and in the menu it said, you know, grilled Canadian, $50. Uh, grilled American, $50. Grilled German, $50. Grilled Mexican, $50. Grilled Guatemalan, $250. <laughs> He got kind of upset and, you know, intrigued. He said, whoa, 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 wait a second. What do you mean all these other, you know, Canadian and Barbadian and 
Jamaican, and they're $50, but Guatemalan, $250. What's the deal? And the cook said, have you tried to clean one of those? <laughs> Even Guatemalans have access to the kingdom of God. <laughs> Praise be to God. Oh, my goodness. Even I. See, this is important, my friends. See, when you have had access to faith, you take it for granted. But when you have been told over and over and over and over again that you have no access because of your ethnicity, because of your passport, because of your language, suddenly that makes it unfair. But there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. And he richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone, listen to this, everyone. Do you get it? Everyone. That's why Revelation 7 is so descriptive. Because he says, and after this I saw a multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people group, language, ethnicity, singing aloud at one voice saying, salvation belongs to he who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Because it's for everyone. It's for everyone. Salvation belongs to him and it is for everyone. How many of you say praise the Lord? Okay, that's very simple, my friends. Those are, two, those are two important realities. Number one, the gospel is simple. Number two is for everyone. Now, I have a commercial. You may not like it. But God doesn't care. Because these two truths are his choice. Let me just repeat this. These two truths are his choice. You may not like it, but he so decided. He decided to fix the problem of mankind by coming in the person of Jesus so that everyone who believes in him will be saved. He decided that. That's a gift from God. The second decision from God is that this is for everyone. Used to be for the Jewish people. In Christ, it just came for everyone. It's God's choice. Amen? Amen? Okay, so here's the question. If it is so simple, and if it is for everyone, how come only 20% of the world call upon the name of Jesus? Or in other words, if, if bread is cheap, and if bread is for everyone... How come 80% of the world or 60% of the world are still hungry? Isn't that a good question, isn't it? If water is free, if water is free, and if it is for everyone, how come 60% of the world's people are thirsty? That's a good question. If the gospel is simple, and if the gospel is for everyone... How come 60% of the world still do not know Jesus? That is a good question. 
Well, the Apostle Paul asked this question. Verse 14 says, yeah, 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 everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how, that's what our sister read tonight, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? Young people will say, duh. And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? Duh. Well, I, I, that kind of hit me. I, I came to learn English as a young adult in, in Illinois. So if you don't understand my, my accent, that's from Illinois accent. <laughs> as we were in language school, we had to practice our, our limited English and all my, I was already an architect and a college professor. My, my classmates were high school kids trying to go to college in America. So we are there and we're learning. And so conversation, we had to have our conversation practice, you know. We had to sit and, and I had this classmate, Sam was from Thailand. And, and she was my conversation partner. And every time we came, you know, Sam just went like this. And I'm a Latino, so I would, Sam! And she would go. You know, after like four times that I'm, Sam. So I knew what the deal was, Sam. So I asked Sam, Sam, how come every time I come to you, you just go like this? Oh, she said, you remind me of my college professor in Thailand. Oh, how old is he? 65, she said. <laughs> so we are practicing. And, 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 the, and the conversation teacher is standing there, and the two of us are, you know, doing our drill. And, and she asked me, Gustavo, she said, what is Christmas? Oh, that was an easy one. Of course, your question was a very simple. Gustavo, what is Christmas? Four words. And, you know, you're learning English, so you're kind of limited of words. So I said, that's a good one. That's an easy one. I said, well, Sam, Christmas is when we celebrate the birthday of Jesus. And she looks back at me and she said, who is Jesus? I didn't have enough words at that time to tell him, to tell her. <laughs> we passed, went to my room, and I was kind of troubled. See, I grew up in Guatemala. In Guatemala, we worked in converting Catholics. Catholics were the heathens. Our apologetics were about converting Catholics. But if you said Jesus in Guatemala, there was a, you know. So I go now and Sam tells me who is Jesus. So I go and I, I go to the library and, and, and start looking. And then, then I discover that, that the kingdom of Thailand, which by the way is still called the kingdom of Thailand, the only nation in the world who has never been colonized. Hence the name, Thailand, land of free. 99.3% of the people in the kingdom of Thailand are Buddhist. And they do not celebrate the year 2016. They celebrate the year 4,000 something something because that's the year of the birth of the Buddha. So for Sam, for her to hear, we celebrate the birthday of Jesus, he was like, what? It dawned on me. How will they call on the one they have never heard of? 
And how can they hear unless someone preaches to them? And how can someone preach to them unless they are sent? See, what happens here, the third discovery is that while God has decided, God has decided that the gospel is simple. It's his decision. And God has decided that the gospel is for everyone. It's his decision. The equation of redemption requires God's people to get their act together. It is simple. It's for everyone, but not everyone has heard because we have not told them. What Salim discovered was that by God's grace, someone had gone to Kosovo. Someone had gone to Kosovo with very little theological preparation, but with the truth in his mouth. That if you believe in Jesus Christ, you are saved. And he went because somebody sent him. All this bunch of people called the Nazarenes, they just put resources together and sent him. And you know what they did by sending him? They got a pedicure. That's what they did. Because the scripture says, how beautiful. How beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Every time I want to preach this sermon and I'm in the shower, I'm looking at my ugly feet, you know, with munions and everything, and I'm saying, you guys are gorgeous. <laughs> now, if, if I, I saw there a car outside that says foot clinic, you may not agree with me, because from the outside they look awful. But you know what? They're beautiful. See, I have to understand this. When Paul was quoting Isaiah 52.7, he was referring to this important fact in mankind. Do you remember when you used to go to the mailbox and open the mailbox and get a letter? Wasn't that exciting? That has changed. I'm part of the generation, the AOL generation. For me, it was to hear this... You've got mail. Remember that? <laughs> for, for you guys, it's like you receive a text. Woo! You know, I was, I was preaching <laughs> in Moncton, and my daughter called me. And I interrupted, interrupted the sermon. I said, give me a second. I said, I said, hon, I'll call you in five minutes. I'm preaching. I told him that. And you know why? Because when I get a message from my kiddos, it's awesome. We love to get good messages, don't we? Well, the history of this beautiful feat started during the time, you remember the, the term marathon? We call it marathon. It's a 42-kilometer race. We call it a marathon because that was the distance between the place where, between marathon and Athens. And the battle was being fought, the, the battle of marathon. And the word was that they, that they sent the, 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 the kings, the, the, 
The leaders, they send someone to tell the people in Marathon, we are at peace, no more war, go to Marathon, 42 kilometers, go and tell them the story. And the way it happened was that here you have, you have a, a, a king, a leader who, who writes something, good news, puts him on a roll, and then uses the specter and seals it and gives it to an athlete who obviously has good resistance and runs for 42 kilometers and goes to marathon and delivers the good news and says, good news, guys, the war is over. Oh, awesome. Now, if you look at his feet, they are not pretty. In fact, there is a disease called athlete's foot. <laughs> Just to illustrate that a runner's feet are ugly. He was running on, on dust, and, and probably he was all calloused and all full of blisters. That's, that's a runner's foot. But you know what? Every time you saw a runner coming your way, you said, how beautiful are the feet of the one who brings the good news. Amen. God decided that the gospel was simple. As simple as believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. He decided that he was for everyone, that there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, that the same Lord is Lord for all, from every nation, from every tribe, from every color of skin. God decided that. But then he also decided to trust the church to do its work of telling, going, preaching, and sending. That's what missions is all about. Missions is all about pedicures. I have come this evening to give you a pedicure. We are people of beautiful feet. People of beautiful feet are the ones who have taken seriously the Great Commission. People who decide that we are going to go, pray, give, send. May the Lord bless his church. I told you that I was going to give you a pedicure. Actually, I'm not. God will. So perhaps tonight you want to commit to be part of the Great Commission. Perhaps you, you want to be one of those athletes who is saying, I want, to, I want to be a runner. I may deliver 42 kilometers. I may go to my neighborhood. Or I may... Be on a relay where I'm going to give this to someone like Jay and Tiana in Hungary or someone like Cosmos in South Africa. And you have to take it from here to them so that they would deliver the good news. Regardless of how long the distance the Lord has called you to carry the good news, the important thing is that you need to come and get the role with the good news and get your pedicure. I'm not going to give it to you. The Lord will. I'm going to ask the musicians if they could come and 
and prepare our hearts. I know this is a missions rally, and, but I'm strange. I, I deliver good news everywhere I'm asked to. Otherwise, my feet will get ugly. So tonight, I'm just bringing you the message that Salim, Paul, Gustavo, and you, we have discovered the fact. <laughs> we have discovered the fact that in Christ, there is salvation. Amen? And salvation is for everyone. Amen? And now, he's asking you to be part of the running team. Do you want to be part of the running team? Join us. I'm already there. My wife is already there. And just come and tell the Lord, Lord, whatever I have to do, whether I have to deliver in person or through someone, come. It's for some of us, it's easier to go and sit down at one of those shops at the mall to get our feet done. The Lord is here. Let us pray.